This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That is the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers getting ready to host Nebraska on Saturday night in the home finale. The game feels a little bit outside of what everybody's thinking about. Uh, That's certainly what happens when you've lost three straight and four uh, of your last five games. And it is a situation that has uh, led to some bubbling up of emotions within the locker room. We heard from Hunter Wolder. We talked about that on the show the other day. We then heard from Luke Fickle on sa- on uh, Saturday or on, on Monday, where he was talking about the challenge that he has faced here at Wisconsin, whether it's been more difficult than his first year at Cincinnati. He said he has. And then the players talked on Tuesday afternoon, and there was some interesting stuff that came out of there, Jesse. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with what Luke Fickle said on Monday? Is that maybe where, and then we can work into the stuff on Tuesday? Because he had uh, he had quite a few things to say that I thought were interesting and stood out on, on Monday. Yeah, I think Monday's a good place to start with Luke Fickle, go chronologically. But this has been a season that nobody anticipated, and you're right. The players, the coaches didn't expect it, and you're starting to see those frustrations boil over like we did after the game on Saturday. And Luke was talking Monday about how Sunday's practice was light, but he said that's not what he's – he doesn't worry about the bodies right now. He said it's the mind and everything that we do is trying to make sure we can open things up and get guys to communicate and control not just your mind, but that self-talk that you have. And and so maybe that's the the good jumping off point is wanting to open the lines of communication here after – players publicly venting their frustration and fickle as well in his own way saying they needed to figure out who was in and who was out moving forward. That sounds a lot like he's asking uh, guys whether they're bought in or not. <laughs> it does sound that he did. He, uh, he did say that he never said that, which I guess is technically accurate. He never questioned anybody's buy-in though. He did say, we're going to see who wants to be here or not. So they're exactly the same thing. However, he wants to detail it. That's fine. But he was, he was opening up the idea of, you know, there are some things that need to happen here that um, we didn't think would be talking about here on November 15th. And it's talking about a locker room. It's talking about being five and five. It's talking about certain things not working. Um, but he also, I, I, I know the the lines of communication, the players kind of talked about that on uh, Tuesday. What has been a change maybe this week that wasn't happening before? So I I often think when you cover a losing team, you tend to get better responses than you do with a winning team because it challenges you in in different ways. And that's certainly how I felt coming out of player interviews Tuesday evening. Tanner Bordellini was pretty open about, or as open as he could be about what's transpired here this week. And he actually said, I didn't know this, but apparently there was a players only meeting the other week is how he put it now that clearly didn't change the team's fortunes yikes but he but he said that so there was a team meeting on sunday and while i wasn't there and that will probably remain the contents will remain under wraps it sounds as though there was a Maybe. bit of an air airing of yeah based on how this week's gone but it well, no. sounds like i was just going to say maybe maybe those things will stay in wraps uh <laughs> or maybe they'll come out in about 4 or 5 months um, <laughs> when it's found out that someone was recording in there and oh. it, gets, it gets put out because I, I see where you're headed with that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh-huh. that was an, that was an airing of grievances as well. 
Yeah, I don't know whether it rose to that level. That was pretty extreme with the the basketball program, obviously, a couple of years ago. But um, he said that people were able to express themselves. And he said that there were some emotions that came out. He said it's just kind of some stuff that needed to be said. Now, again, don't know exactly what that is, but think those kinds of things are certainly important when you've got this bubbling up of frustration and disappointment and emotion. And he also said that players met with their individual position coaches, which is not unusual on Sunday, but he said that the coaches asked players specifically for feedback because as Tanner said, we're not where we want to be and we want to figure out why we aren't. And Tanner said, most days you're not going to come in on a Sunday and go tell your coach what you think happened or what went wrong or what you think you can do to make it better. Because he said, you're more kind of here to learn and listen. So all of those things were done in an effort to bring about some type of change, better understand the team dynamics that are going on here. And it's a bit challenging here to parse out. Well, because people may be asking, well, what exactly are those team dynamics? Hunter Wohler laid it out as as much as he could, that he felt like people weren't giving the necessary effort and that everybody wasn't bought in. But it's hard to know, what does that mean? Um, and I wrote about this in a story for The Athletic on Wednesday. Is it returning players who, after four consecutive years of underwhelming results, don't have much left in the tank? Is it an inability to mesh 15 scholarship transfers this offseason? Is it something else? Don't know that, but clearly what we're seeing this year is small things leading to bigger things falling apart, which is how defensive lineman James Thompson Jr. put it. Now, having said all this, whatever happened on Sunday, you may feel good about it now as a player. I don't even know if I want to hear that right now because we know that Luke said last week they had the best Sunday practice they'd had and they came out flat against Northwestern. But you got to do something to mix it up and create change. And so at least this was a week that uh, maybe you look back and say was an important moment for the team, if not this season and for the future. Yeah. And I guess if maybe they had come out and played really well on last Saturday, we'd be talking about that team meeting that they had, <laughs> yes. that they had done. Right. I mean, all these things matter so insignificantly if you don't go out and perform. And I don't necessarily think anything that's happened this week is going to affect their performance on Saturday. It's either you're going to come out and play hard and you're going to come out, play locked in, and you're not going to get down 10 nothing or 17 to 7 or 21 to 3 or you know, 10 nothing that they were uh against Ohio State. Like come out and play in the first half and show some vigor, show some energy that just has been missing, maybe not against Ohio State. Ohio State's just a really good team, but has been missing these last two weeks against subpar competition, competition that you are better than. You have a better roster. I don't, and people will be like, well, I don't know if they do. Yes, they do. They have better talent than either one than Indiana or Northwestern, but they have not played at the same level of Indiana and Northwestern. And I'll be honest, Jesse, I, I, I understand that opening communication and all that is important. I'm so sick of it. And it's, I know we talk about, we talk and you write for a living. Come out and play at some point. Yeah. Your, your play has to do the talking instead of you. And all we've heard is talking this year, more so than coming out and playing at a high level and playing and doing what everyone expected you to do. And again, expectations, we can take blame for that, but they put expectations on themselves and, as well, and they haven't come close to meeting them. This year, no matter what happens these last two weeks, is a failure, but they can turn it in the right direction if they just come out and actually play good football. And I guess I'll leave this question for you. Do you think they're capable of playing 
good complimentary football for 60 minutes. No, not right yeah. now. All right. Um, so no, so it doesn't, so it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter, but at least show fans, show somebody that you care and don't wait until the second half defense to start playing the type of defense we know you're capable of. The, the, the slow starts I think are as, um, difficult as, as anything, but to me that, that comes around passion, that comes around energy, that comes around, you know, the, the give a shit factor. All yep. those things play into this, and they have not shown any of it, especially these last two weeks. Yeah. The reason I say no is because of everything that we've seen. It's 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 that idea of, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And they we've had 10 weeks to see w- who they are. They should be better, absol- absolutely, but that hasn't happened. So there's just little reason to believe it's suddenly, magically going to happen now. I did ask Tanner Bordellini a question about, you know, what gives you confidence this is a program that can turn it around if not season and then in the future? And and he did the best that he could to answer it because he said that he likes, I mean, there's a lot of character and culture in the building and he thinks that there are the people there who enough people who want to be successful and want to put the work in. But ultimately, as exactly as you said, Zach, it comes down to the on-field product. And so he said, that's why it's so important to make a, some kind of statement here these last two weeks, win these games, Feel good about yourself so you can show that you did something positive. But I'm left with there's a, a funny quote from Ozzie Guillen, the former Chicago White Sox manager that has stuck with me for more than a decade because I had the opportunity to cover them way back in 2009 and they were not very good. And he said, among the many colorful quotes from his time there, good teams win games, horseshit teams have meetings. Well, we're to the point where we are going to have a lot of meetings and, uh, I didn't put that in my story because it didn't not really something you would put in a story, but I can talk about it on our show. And that has resonated with me here of late. Let's put it that way. It makes complete sense. It it does. <laughs> it does. Good teams don't need those meetings. Good teams don't need to hash out things that are that are happening. Um because there there is open communication. They don't need to go into a, a meeting room to air out your grievances. So um, yeah, again, I, I don't want to be so negative here because again, it is 10 games, right? It's 10 games, Luke Fickle era. It has not been the first season that he wanted or expected. And as I mentioned before, said it was, this is tougher than what he went through at Cincinnati when they went four and eight. Yes. And he said the reason why was because the expectations that coaches walked into here. Now that is externally and the expectations he had for himself internally at Wisconsin were higher, which is understandable. You're coming to a Big Ten program. You got the athletic director talking about competing for championships is exactly what Luke Fickle said. And he said it at Cincinnati, sure. But at Wisconsin, this is a program that over the last decade, been to four Rose Bowls, obviously the Orange Bowl that you know I love so much, a Cotton Bowl. They've had success for a long time. And you were supposed to be able to come in and and take it to another level. And that hasn't happened right away. And I think it's been more challenging than he probably anticipated and this is all part of it so it's uh i mean he's he talked about in the big picture of it i'm responsible i put it on my shoulders and he said you can think you know what you're looking at in the off season in the spring in the summer but nobody can prepare themselves for the real adverse situations and right now we're all trying to figure out how to handle this together and it's it's look the that he hasn't met the challenge yet and based on the way this season has unfolded there is clearly so much more work that needs to be done. 
going back to the Tanner comments about like there's people in this building culture and that yeah. type of stuff, right? Um, they've had a winning record the last three years. So you have to at least call that a winning program, but I would not call that in my mind when I'm thinking of a, a winning program, the last three years is not what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking yeah. of, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm thinking of 15. I'm thinking of 16. I'm thinking of 17. I'm thinking of 19. Go back and, you know, you're thinking of 2010 and 2011. And I'm not going to throw 2012 in there because they didn't really just, you know, they weren't great that year, but they still won a title. Like those are winning teams. Those are, that's a winning program. When this senior class leaves, there's going to be nobody left over from that 2019. So no, the, the guys that are making up a majority of this program are do not know what Wisconsin winning culture is. And there's yes. nobody on the staff outside of Casey Robach, and he's obviously not on the field, that and Alec James, that have knowledge of what a winning culture at Wisconsin looks like. You have Chris McIntosh up in the AD booth, but even he... Was what was gone from Wisconsin for an extended period of time before coming back, you know, in the early uh, early teens. So it's not like he was around. Uh, and again, I know he was part of a winning winning culture. He was here, but the football program does not have those people in the building. Have yeah. they been have they been successful other ways, other places? Absolutely, right. Fickle's got a national championship. A lot of these guys were have been at Ohio State and won a lot of games. So there is the idea of a culture, but winning at Wisconsin and winning at Ohio State are completely different things. Winning at Cincinnati and winning at Wisconsin are completely different things. And I would say that they don't necessarily have that Wisconsin culture in their building anymore, and certainly won't when the senior class leaves. That's reasonable. And, and maybe I should clarify, as I don't know if I misspoke, but when, Tanner Bordellini didn't say that they had a winning program. He said that they've got character and culture, and there's a lot of good people within the building that right. want to win and are willing to do whatever it takes to win. But again, okay. that is not the same as having a winning program, and 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 they are not. You're right. I mean, I referenced this in the story I wrote Monday when examining five theories for why this season has gone wrong. Look at since the middle of 2020, after that two-game start, they're 23 and 18 since that time. They're 16 and 15 in the Big Ten. So while they have an overall winning record, that is not winning football based on the standards that Wisconsin has established and the standards that they set in going out and hiring Luke Fickle. They've literally beaten no one in that time. Nobody Outside, good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? I mean, they beat Iowa in 2021. Yeah. Who else have they beaten that you could sit there and say, "Oh gosh, that was a that was a good win." That you know, there, there aren't they aren't there. Uh, part of the reason why playing in the West was so beneficial, but they haven't beaten Penn State, they haven't beaten Michigan, haven't beaten Ohio State, haven't beaten. Um, they beat they've beaten Iowa just once. So yeah, I mean these these last two years, last three years, you're and and again, twenty twenty. What are you going to do with that Michigan team in 2020? The one that didn't apparently have Connor Stallions on the sideline. Um, <laughs> but these last two, they have not really beaten anybody the last two years outside of the Iowa game. And then this one, right? And, and they haven't beaten anybody this year for sure. So yeah, 2021 I, is a little bit different. I mean, they at least had a chance on the last day of the regular season to win the big. And 10 what happened in that and, game? And, and they lost. And, Purdue somehow was actually ranked 25th in the country when Wisconsin went there and won, but they obviously, yeah. but, but 
Yes, for the most part. I mean, the marquee games, we know Wisconsin hasn't been close. They they had a chance against Penn State, lost, got destroyed against Notre Dame, got destroyed against Michigan, and you you lose that regular season finale at Minnesota in 2021 and haven't been anywhere close since, as we know. They barely made a bowl game last year, had to beat had to squeak out a win at Nebraska and might have to do the same this year. So there were things uh, some people have said, the show's too negative, too angry. Have they really said that? What'd you say? Have they really said that? I've gotten a few of those. Well, what do they want us to talk about when the team's lost four out of five? Well, I mean, okay. they they are, have a good strength program, and and that was do fun they? to watch. It was fun to watch Squat Fest. Yeah, I mean the the lasers and lights that um, that was a lot of fun to watch uh, from afar. Y- you were in there, so maybe a little bit different for you. <laughs> but is there anything that we can hit on here positively? I. Uh, I mean, we, our job is to react. First of all, our job, I would think, uh, is to try to cover this program as objectively as we can. I you, you do a much, you do a much better job <laughs> of that than me. Well, you do, you do a really nice job of articulating your feelings and emotions as well. And um, what we've seen has not been good. They've lost four of the last five games. I'm not sitting here saying that because they're having a bad season that it's absolutely impossible for Luke Fickle to elevate this program in the long term. I think there is still reason to have confidence in that. Uh, I know this year has perhaps lessened some people's faith in that, but we're also here reacting to what we've seen, the product that's been put on the field here for the last five games, for the entire season. You can't say there are very many players, let alone position groups, that have exceeded what the expectations were coming into the season. The offense is averaging just over 22 points per game. As you laid out on the last show, that's the fewest points per game for the team since 2004. It's somehow four points fewer than it was last year when the team wasn't very good. The defense, I think, has been clearly better than the offense. They are top 25 and in some important statistical categories, but I also don't think that's indicative of the way they fully played. I mean, they they may hold Northwestern to 30 yards of total offense in the second half. They also gave up 294 yards of total offense to a Northwestern team that came into the weekend averaging 292 yards of total offense. So they haven't been very good. And, and I just, I don't know where you can go down the line here and say Wisconsin has been good enough or acceptable enough when you have these types of championship expectations. And hey, maybe that's on me. Maybe that's on all of us that when you're writing about what's possible, you've got to be more realistic based on what we've seen the last three or four years. So if that's the case and you want to say it's too, too negative now, then, then I guess I, I could take some responsibility for covering the team in a more positive light in the off season. But that's also what the off season is for. You win the off season because you haven't seen the team play on the field. You, you have reason for optimism, but I, I mean, I'm certainly not going to stand down or, or back away from the things we've been saying because we're not the only ones saying it. You've got players within the program who are publicly coming out and expressing their frustration. So if we're talking about it, you know the players are having these kinds of conversations. What did McIntosh say about wanting to play for championships when he hired Luke Fickle? That, I mean, that's the ex- expectation. Oh, okay. All right. So they can expect it, but mm-hmm. we're not supposed to? We're not supposed to sit here and hold them to those expectations? I mean, uh, uh, you know, just going to say that that's exactly what's going to happen. 
is, uh, <laughs> is if they're if they're going to expect championships, if they're expecting to play at a championship level, then certainly that's something that we should be holding them accountable yeah. for as well. And what we saw in fall camp or even spring ball, there was some excitement. Um, yeah. And again, defensively, they haven't been great, but this team is, has played well enough defensively to win games. Yep. I mean, when you look at some of the scores that they have lost by, they're not good enough offensively to win games. That has been, that obviously has been the bigger disappointment between the two. Yeah. This defense was never going to be at uh, the 2021 level, right? That's not, that was, I'm not going to say once in a lifetime because they had a very good defense in 2017 and they've had good units over the last decade or so that have always ranked really, really high. That was never going to be this group, but they've played well enough to give their offense a chance. I mean, I, outside of this past weekend, they had the offense has had the ball with the chance to score or take the lead in the fourth quarter of every single game and, and, and outside of one has not done it. So again, defensively not great, but is not the, the to me is not the issue as to why they're not winning games right now. It's the offense. And I'm wondering for you again, two games left and then we'll see if they have a bowl game. But do you think Luke fickle is questioning whether he made the right decision to go this way offensively? And again, 10 games in probably not overly fair when he played, you know, a little bit without, you know, a month without your starting quarterback and have not had the true explosion tailback that you thought you were going to have in Ches Malusi. Um, otherwise, though, you've been pretty healthy outside of tight ends where you thought you were going to have Jack P and you didn't have him. But uh, do you think he is questioning anything in his mind right there in terms of making the decision to go off to go to this type of offense? I'd start by saying it's it's always tough to speculate when. I mean, if it goes this way for the next two games, then I think it's a fair question to ask after the Minnesota game, that exact question. And look, he could duck it if he wants to, and certainly has every right to answer however he wants to. But when you've got a season going this way, you have to question what's going on. And I I think he gave an answer after the Northwestern game on Saturday. That was at least indicative of his frustrations with the offense because he was asked how much of a lack of, well, there was that. Yeah, that, that was, um, he said something to the effect of not that it would be disrespectful, but, uh, he did say that, didn't he? Well, let me just find it. I think he did say (laughs) it. So he was asked, I'll let you find it, but he was asked about, uh, the running offense. And and I think it was Colton Bartholomew from the Wisconsin state journal was like, you know, until the end where you guys got some, some things going, uh, the running game wasn't good enough. And he goes, we never got it going. It'd be disrespectful or something like that to say um, that a couple of draws, it'd be disrespectful for the yeah. for the Wisconsin culture. Go ahead. Yeah, he said, yeah, that's pretty close. So he said it didn't it didn't click at all. We ran a couple draw plays. That would be embarrassing to Wisconsin football to say you ran the ball on a couple draw plays. Um, yeah. And so there's that. But what I was actually going to say is, he was asked a question about how much a lack of identity had hurt the team on both sides of the ball. And what he said um, was in part, I think offensively it's hurting us. We're, we're trying to find a way to have some balance, which right now we have none. There are things you want to do. And there are things that all of a sudden you recognize you can't do. And it makes it really difficult when you have this vision for what your identity wants to be. And as you get into it, you recognize, I don't know that you can do that. Talked about how they have to, do a better job at being able to adjust whatever that identity is and find a way to win a football game. Now that doesn't come out and say why he thinks that it very well could be. You thought you were going to have Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen or Tanner Mordecai for the entire season. And, and those guys have been hurt. But I also think 
him just coming out and saying that there's no balance. They, they don't have an identity. Like to me, that was at least a pretty damning statement about what we've seen from Wisconsin's offense to date, even if it's not specifically saying, I don't like how the offensive coordinator is running things. And I don't know whether he, I, I'm not putting words in his mouth and saying that's what he thinks. But I do think if this continues, Wisconsin doesn't get better the last two games offensively. At the very least, you've got to evaluate, is this working for us? And is this the long-term answer moving forward? And and maybe he does feel that it is. Um, that's certainly possible. But it's a question that is worth asking here in the next couple of weeks to him specifically. So what do you think is holding the offense back? I have, I have a couple of theories. Not having studied the air raid style of offense as well as some that uh have <laughs> have talked about it in depth but one the inability to run the ball yeah. and and two the inability to make any explosive plays in the passing game down the field we saw the one obviously with Bryson Green where it was catch and run but down the field just has been almost non-existent and when you go back and look at the North Carolina offenses and um and what Phil Longo has done that was obviously a big part of those offenses. And without those two things, I think we're kind of seeing the struggles, right? They, they, the short passing game, they seem to, they seem to be okay with that. Um, <laughs> and even the medium passing game, some of the crossers that they ran against um, are not the crossers, but some of the, the, the deeper routes across the field that they had success against uh, uh, on Saturday against Northwesterns, even that, but the throwing the ball down the field just has been almost non-existent. I, this goes back to what I wrote on Monday. I, I, there are so many reasons why I think it's been problematic. You're absolutely spot on that this is predicated at least in part on having some explosive plays and explosive offense, and they haven't generated that. And when you are down to your number three and number four running backs, neither of whom are anywhere close to the level of a Braylon Allen or a Ches Malusi, it, it certainly changes things, but I, it, to me, it's a few different things. The, the the trying to find an identity in it hasn't it just hasn't come easily. Even though it may have come easily easily for Phil Longo at some of these other schools, I go back. I just look at that Iowa game, and I know we've talked about it before, but it was passing the ball fifty times, eight of which came on the last drive when Wisconsin was actually down by two possessions. Like, was that the best way to beat Iowa? Did that put you in the best spot to win? I know the staff talks about balance in terms of yardage rather than having a 50-50 run pass ratio, but you had you had a backup quarterback in the game who was getting his first legitimate snaps and you were doing things that either went against what your identity was supposed to be, like going under center for the third time all season and then mm-hmm. having that fail, or just I felt like putting yourself in a spot where is that the best way to succeed? And I know I've touched on this a couple times, but the third and two at the 14-yard line where they go five wide, empty backfield, they have three slot receivers. There's no threat of a run game. Um, you know, Braylon Allen didn't have a great game, but he rushed for almost 90 yards in that game. And you're putting it on a backup quarterback to come up with a play. And he throws the ball off the helmet of a defensive lineman and it falls incomplete. So there's that. I wonder about the personnel too. I think it's across the board. They've been hamstrung by injuries and player departures. And I think that has to be a part of the equation. You lose you don't have Jack Pugh this season because he's dealing with a personal issue. You don't have Clay Cunniff and Jack Eschenbach. And what it leaves you with a tight end group with that just, it's not the tight end group that Phil Longo would want. They've, that group has 10 pass receptions for 77 yards over the last seven games. They've basically given you nothing. Um, they ran a third and four play to Hayden Rucci and it went for one yard. Um, 
And maybe they felt like it would have been open, but there was somebody there to drop him. And they end up punting on fourth and three from the 42. But the offensive line, it just it hasn't been up to the standards. And maybe we should stop talking about that. I mean, I I wonder if that's part of this, too, is we became accustomed to seeing what happened a decade ago. They had such great offensive linemen. And when's the last time you can really say they had a truly dominant unit? It's certainly not this year. You're you're. Biggest NFL draft prospect, Jack Nelson's been penalized a Big Ten high 12 times. Three times he was penalized against Northwestern. So you can go down all the position groups, and I, I don't – which of those groups have been to the standard that you expect, and and the answer is none. Well, I think it's also fair to say that having a great running back made up for some of those issues, right? When you yes. had When you had a Jonathan Taylor, he was able to make up for some maybe not – great play from the offensive line, but you go and look at those offensive lines in 17, 18, and 19. There there are NFL prospects on that team. There are guys that are yes. now starting uh, and, and playing a bunch of football, right? Uh, you know, obviously Tyler Biotish is, is one that probably stands out, but David Edwards played a, played a ton. Michael Dieter has played uh, with a couple of different teams and uh, uh, Logan Bruss obviously got drafted like that. And maybe I'm intermingling some of these, uh, some, some of these rosters at this point, but there have been guys, but it just hasn't come together as a unit and um, like put Wisconsin at a different level offensively. They just haven't done it. Uh, looking at the stats, when going back to the explosive passing plays, they rank 120th in the country in passing plays of 20 or more yards. They rank 113th in the country in passing plays of 40 or more yards. It's They have one of those. Uh, and that was, again, against, um, I believe, it was the 54-yard catch and run by yeah, it was a five-yard pass that he took the last 49. Yeah, so there have been a lot of situations where they just have not, uh, excuse me, that they have one play at 50 or more yards, which is ranked 113th in the country. They got a, f- a few more 40-plus yarders, because um, I know Hayden Rucci for a long time had the long one before Bryson Greens, but they haven't been able to, they have not been explosive in the passing game, and, and part of the reason is, is the guys that they brought in at wide receiver outside of Will Pauling are not necessarily uh, explosive players. They are more possession receivers and that is been a huge huge problem for them so um those are all the negative things again we'll see what how it plays out on uh, on saturday against uh, northwestern before we go i wanted to talk real quickly about the recruit that wisconsin got this week yeah you uh, wanted positivity class, listeners here you go class of 2025 michael Reski, offensive yes. lineman uh i believe uh one of the was he fourth or fifth in the state uh, ranked fourth or fifth in the state for that for the class um, I could be off on that, but uh, you had an opportunity to chat with him. I did. Yeah. Well, uh, not surprisingly, in-state offensive lineman, he's a big dude. He's six, seven and a half, 290 pounds, 290 pounds. His dad says he wears a size 18 shoe. Um, what's interesting about his recruitment is he can't, he comes from Watoma, which it, people may know that town because that's where Jared Aberderis came from, but not exactly a recruiting hotbed. Watoma's varsity roster last season had 26 players. And I think even his family wondered, and his dad said, if, if you would have told me two years ago when he was a freshman that this was going to happen, I would have said no way. But clearly the talent was there. And I also think, you know, Wisconsin is in a spot now where when it tries to go get offensive linemen from within the state, it's got to compete with teams that have former Wisconsin offensive line coaches. And that's exactly what the Badgers had to contend with in this recruitment. Bob Bostead is now at Indiana. He was actually the first one who offered Reski a scholarship and started to recruit him when he was at Wisconsin. The other, the team that 
Michael really was interested in was Notre Dame, where Joe Rudolph is. And he said after he visited and got an offer from Notre Dame in May, he said it was legitimately 50-50, like flip a coin on which school am I going to go to? So while it is an in-state guy and he wanted to stay closer to home, and that's ultimately why Wisconsin won out, the Badgers do deserve some credit for being able to to pull this one through when he had some really good opportunities elsewhere. Somebody who I think is probably going to need some time before you see him on the field at Wisconsin. Uh, It's a considerable step up in terms of competition, but he's got the size, he's got the versatility, and we know that Jack McNell Jr. likes his offensive lineman to be mobile, to be able to get downfield and block at the second level, and I think that's what they're getting with Michael. And he, he said... I will get out there in front of the running back for the first 10, 15 yards, and then they can take off on their own, but I will destroy defenders in front of them for those first 10 to 15 yards. So uh, a solid pickup uh, momentum when they needed it. It's it's funny because he committed in the recruiting tent before the Northwestern game and then went out and watched that display, uh, but still feels very, very confident about the future and said he's going to do his best to try and recruit Owen Striebig, who's the... Uh, four-star offensive lineman from Waukesha Catholic Memorial and the number one player in the state. So they still got some real quality in-state players. Uh, Trey Poteet's one, linebacker Cooper Catalano is one, but they needed some momentum on the recruiting trail and they got it at a good time. And I believe uh, Strebig was there on Saturday. Yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> and so was, so was maybe retire who was, uh, was in the recruiting tent with them. But uh, <laughs> yes, Owen was at the game. I'm sure that stood out to him very, very well. <laughs> um, I, I think it's always, I think it's always interesting. Like, do guys, when guys look at this, do they look at like, gosh, there's not a lot of talent on this team that can come in and play early, or do they look at, oh, gosh, there's not a lot of team uh, talent on this team. Do I want to be here? Well, every situation is probably different, but in this individual situation, it was this is the dream offer. This is your your ninety mile. You live ninety miles away you get to stay home. Your parents can come watch you play very easily and you can represent the program. And as he said, cause I asked him, did the outcome on Saturday <laughs> make you reconsider your decision? He said, I'm not worried about the future. And I, I think it's going to take a year or two for the staff to get the guys that they want into the system. And um, so I think it's believing that you're going to be a part of something special in the future. I think sometimes what happens on the field can be overrated a bit. The problem is when you start being a team that's going to go four and eight every year, then you're going to start missing out on guys who want to compete for national championships. But with with someone like him, it's more about I'm a, I'm a home state guy. I get to represent for them. And I think I'm going to be a part of something that will be special down the road. Now, whether that's true or not remains to be seen, but it's it's a good starting point that the guy who's committing to the program believes that. Definitely is. Uh, I mean, I don't. Yeah, not going to be negative. All right, um, Jesse, thank you very much. We're going to be uh, at Monks and Sun Prairie tomorrow night. Going to talk a little football. Also going to talk basketball. Speaking of things that haven't necessarily gone well of late, I did a couple of different radio hits today. I don't think they've ever been more negative. I don't think I've ever been more <laughs> negative than I have, than I was today when I was asked about Wisconsin football and Wisconsin basketball. So uh, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be there from six to seven. Stop out. Uh, sign up for a or a register for a $25 gift certificate from Homefield. Obviously they got uh, some great apparel there. Check out uh if you have time, stop on by. 6 to 7 on Zone Madison. If you uh, can't stop by, you can also find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Jesse, we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to the camp.